0: Acts 17, verse 10 through 15. Now, the title of the message this morning is True Nobility. True Nobility. We don't use the word noble uh, too often. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't. I don't use it every day. Um, Maybe if, uh, I don't know, like if I was going to do something noble, I might, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, like just hold the door open for someone, you know. Um, you might say uh, the sentence, wow, you have really noble aspirations. And we kind of know what we mean by that, right? You mean um, you're trying to do something good, like, like actually good, uncommonly good, noble aspirations. It kind of sounds like a word from uh, chess, honestly. You know, you got the knight, the rook, the queen, the bishop, the pawn, the noble, the peasant. You know what I mean? Like it's not actually one of the pieces in chess, but it kind of sounds like that. Um, I looked it up this week, nobility. um, And here's the definition uh, from Webster's, possessing outstanding qualities. Okay. But how about this one? Of high birth or exalted rank, the noble class in a country or state. Now, okay, we're talking about true nobility, and here's why I'm defining it, because if you think about it, in America, in this country, it's not. there's a reason why we don't really use the word a lot, because we don't like the nobility. Like, we do not like the nobles. In fact, the very beginning of our country is basically a decision to not let nobles be in charge. That's it. You know, the the Declaration of Independence in 1776 says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. In other words, we don't believe in the thing where you're, some are born as nobles, some are born as peasants. That, that's America. That's what, what we say. And, and I'm bringing all of this up because I want to show you that in this chapter of the Bible, Luke is going to say that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. And Luke was writing to Theophilus. All right. He was writing to Theophilus who was for sure upper class. He was noble. And Luke was writing in AD 60 in the Roman empire, not America. All right. In the Roman empire. So, so he very much means, when he says the word noble, that you are part of the noble class. It, it, the word is, is, is literally, in the original language, which would be, for the New Testament, the Greek, the word is literally, starts with the prefix eu, like euphoria or euphemism. It means good. And then the second part of the word is genomai, which you can hear in that word genetics or genesis or the idea of eugenics, which would be good genes, the idea of birth. The word literally means you have good birth. You have good genes. That's what it means. So that's what it means to be noble, to be well-born, to be be high-born, to have good genes. Luke is saying that the Bereans had better genes, almost, than the Thessalonians, the thugs in Thessalonica. That's what he says. It's interesting. It's actually really surprising because Berea is the small town where there would have been people that were less educated and less affluent. Thessalonica, the major city, the capital. But he says in Berea they were more noble than in Thessalonica, all right? So I want to read to you Acts 17, 10 through 15. And this morning we're going to look at answering the question, what does true nobility look like, all right? And we're going to see why is it that Luke would say this of the Bereans? And of course, it's so that we would realize that these are important qualities for us too. Acts 17, 10 through 15, ready? Here it is, first verse, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were, here it is, more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there, Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Quickly, let's pray. Bow with me. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We pray you would bless the teaching and the studying and the careful consideration of your word this morning. Be with us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. True nobility what true nobility looks like. Number one, eagerness. Eagerness toward learning the word of God. Verse 10, the brothers, it says, they immediately sent Paul and Silas away. There was great persecution at Thessalonica. These these Jews in Thessalonica, when they heard Paul's teaching about the Messiah, about Jesus, they were, it says, jealous. And they persecuted Paul. And they had to get out of there. And so they went by night, by the protection of darkness and cover of night, and they went and they arrived in Berea. This was a 50-mile journey southwest of Thessalonica in Greece. Would have taken three days for them to get there. We're in the foothills of the Olympian mountain range, modern day Berea. You can look it up on Google Maps. It's with a V, Berea, and it's 62,000 people. Interestingly, they have one of the biggest and most prestigious libraries in all of Greece, and they even won an award from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for having such an awesome library, and I just thought, that's fascinating that this is still a place where people examine the text. You know what I mean? It's really cool. So, I didn't get the feeling y'all thought that was cool. Um, I'm going to need a little more support up here. Um, Anyways, verse 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. You see that? All eagerness. Note that the first thing they did, did you see? They received. They received the teaching of the word of God in the synagogue on the Sabbath that day with, it says, all eagerness. That's the first thing they did. It's not a chore, not a rote discipline, not resistance, not reticence, not apathy, definitely not absent, not casual. Eagerness. We're going to synagogue. We're going to learn the teaching of the word of God. They're excited. Eagerness. True nobility looks that way. That's what Luke is telling us. I really want to point out that They received first. We'll get to the part about them examining it very carefully to see if everything that was taught to them was true and sort of cross-checking it in the Bible. We'll get to that. But just make a note of the fact that before that, they received eagerly. They're not sitting there at the first moment of Paul's teaching, arms crossed, skeptical, distrusting. You got to win me over first, Paul. I'm a Berean. I'm a fact checker. No, that's not their heart. They're warm. They're eager. Their posture is they're excited to learn from the teaching of the word of God. There was a man who used to talk with me often after sermons at a previous season. And one time I was talking with him, I was like, man, you know, uh, thanks for your encouragement and your thoughtfulness about God's word. Like, it actually does encourage me that, you know, I'm teaching and you're really wrestling with it. He's like, yeah, I've always been that way. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, he's like, yep, always been that way. When I was uh, in middle school, my first day of class in church with the Sunday school teacher who had been teaching there for 20 years, I asked so many questions and challenged so many things that they said that they retired. I was like, wow, that's not good. You know, that's not a claim to fame. That's not being a Berean. All eagerness, open to receive. Now, one thing is, uh, you know, sometimes we struggle to be eager about the teaching of the word of God because sometimes it feels kind of boring. If we're honest. My pastor uh, in seminary, he used to always say, The greatest sin in ministry is to bore people with the Bible. And and, and it stuck with me because there's definitely some truth to that statement. And it's not that a pastor or some teacher or anyone can make the Bible interesting. Please know that the Bible is interesting. The Bible is profoundly relevant. It is God's word. The Bible is interesting and relevant and powerful and impactful. However, teachers of the Bible need to work really hard to prepare to present their teaching in a way that will show people how awesome it already is. So, you know, there are boring sermons and we want to not have those, but I want to say this too. I like a boring sermon. I came across another quote. I don't even remember who said it. I just remember the thought of it. And it really impacted me and it convicted me. It was like this. You as a Christian will be held accountable someday by the Lord for what you did with what you were taught from his word, whether it entertained, and emotionally moved you or not. It comes from Luke 12, 48. Everyone to whom much is given, much is required. It's convicting, right? And listen, I have heard some really dry and really boring teaching of the Bible. In those times, and when I, when I feel it coming on, like sometimes I'm in here And and it's like my own sermon or, or, or sometimes I'm, I'm here and someone else is teaching and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a boring one. And then I go, that's good. That's good. That means I have to lean in. I can't be passive, Matt. I've got to lean in. I got to get my Bible open. I've got to actually take notes because I still am accountable from the Lord to get something out of this thing. And I end up getting more out of it. In fact, through that approach, my entire taste palette has changed. I don't even like listening to the funny popular guys that speak at all the conferences. I don't even like it anymore. Give me a boring guy with some thick accent and words. I have to go look up in the dictionary and make me scribble some notes so I can get something out of it. Yes. I want that. Give me that. Isn't that weird? It is weird. And I would say, don't, don't, don't copy that. <laughs> don't copy me but do copy the Bereans. That's definitely what God's word is pushing us to this morning. And we ought to be people that approach the teaching of God's word with all eagerness. And we deeply examine everything that is said. So how is your eagerness toward gathering with God's people to receive God's word on Sundays or in some other format or group? Isaiah 66 is an encouraging verse. It says, all these things my hand has made and all these things come to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. You tremble at the word of God. When we understand what the word of God is, We will have an eagerness about every opportunity we are given to learn from the word of God. But as flawed, human, fallen people, we sometimes need to renew that attitude. Is that for you today? Eagerness toward learning the word of God. What true nobility looks like, number two, here it is. Examination of every claim and belief by the word of God. So this really is coming from the same verses, verse 11. I'll read again. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? They received the word with all eagerness. What else? Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. What are these things? Well, Paul and his group were in the synagogue telling these Jews, listen, Jesus Christ, we want to tell you about Jesus. He came. He, he was born in Bethlehem. He he lived a life of miracles and teaching, a sinless life. He died on the cross. He was crucified in Jerusalem. He was buried for three days, but he rose again. And they're, they're like, listen, listen. Open your Hebrew scriptures, your Old Testament. Would you do that? Would you look and see that this Jesus, he is exactly who you've been waiting for. He's exactly what all these promises that you know were actually about. Look, if you will, that's what Paul's doing. And so it makes sense that they would then examine, do you see it? Examine the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So daily, Not just the Sabbath, but daily, the Bereans, not only eager, but now examining the scriptures. So so we should be clear. While their posture toward learning the word of God was one of eagerness, not one of cynicism and and starting with distrust, while that's true, the Bereans also did not have a view of their pastor that their pastor or whoever was teaching was the highest and greatest authority. No, God's word is the highest and greatest authority. The final authority rests in God, in God alone. And so the burden upon the teacher and the hearer is to look at the scripture and see, as it says, if these things are so. Now, we live in a day when there's megachurches, Podcasts, celebrities, celebrity pastors, influencers. And, you know, we know this and we can be quick to lament it like, oh, man, you know. But remember, supply usually follows demand. We need to have congregations of Christians, of passionate disciples of Jesus, who are demanding solid teaching from the word of God and daily examining to see if these things are so. Now, as much as we say this, please know that the picture that we're painting here is not the picture of a Bible fact-checker, you know? It's not some person who individually is sitting there on the internet fact-checking a sermon. It's not. Or, I don't know, I just like picture them at home in a room with one lamp on, just fact-checking. And it's like, no, here's how I know that's not the picture. You ready for this? this? This might be like the big boom-like statement today. Ready? The Bereans did not even have Bibles. The Bereans did not have personal Bibles. Like, <laughs> hello? So for all the years that we've had this perception of Bereans, as like, man, they got their Bible out. And they're like, uh, 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 in the middle of the sermon, you know, all that. No, they didn't have Bibles. This is the Bible. This like part about them is the Bible, actually. They had, here's what they had. They had the scrolls of the Hebrew scriptures, and they were too expensive and too sacred for anyone to like, own them at their house. They had them at the synagogue. And so the picture here is not of someone with their personal Bible and their Bible app fact-checking the pastor. That's not the picture here. The picture is everybody after the Sabbath dismisses meeting in the synagogue, but for our purposes, let's just say meeting at the library in the reference section. You can't check those books out. You have to stay there with them. Meeting in the reference section of the library every day for the whole week after the Sabbath. That's actually the picture. That's how much they wanted to really get deep into the word and examine and see, are these things true? Is this Jesus really the person that Paul is saying from the Old Testament? Is this the Messiah? So they're meeting in the reference section of the library daily. That's the picture. Examination of every claim that others make and every belief that we have By the word of God. Verse 12. Many of them, therefore, believed. They believed. This led to faith. With not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Is it not so encouraging to see how the research of truth and scripture led to and produced vibrant faith. If you're taking notes, you might just write, examining scripture, arrow, faith. Because people often act like that's actually two different groups of people. You know, it's like, we've got the ex-Christians over here who actually, you know, they, got a, they finally got around to really looking into the Bible and saw all the contradictions, and so they lost their faith. And then over here, we have, in opposition to them, the, you know, shallow Christians who have not researched the Bible and just have blind faith. No, 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 no. Examining Scripture produces faith. Or or people act like there's these other two groups of people. Here it is. Um the brainy, heady people over here who research the Bible and examine the Bible and then the wild faith and just trust God people over here, right? Two separate groups, no overlap, no. Examining scripture leads to, produces faith. Romans 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So friends, let me just encourage you to be a noble Christian, to be a person, a disciple of Jesus, who examines every claim and belief by the word of God, to go even further and even beyond just maybe, say, checking the box of daily devotions or whatever, but really seeking to study God's word what true nobility looks like, eagerness, examination. And now third, remaining, not retreating when others oppose the word of God. And we know they will, we know they do. So verse 13, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, They came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. remaining, not retreating, when others oppose the word of God. So the point here is this, the, 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 the opposition came, the persecution came. It came from the people in Thessalonica who were jealous. And there is a contrast in this passage between people who are jealous, people who are th- threatened by this new teaching, And people who are eager and open-minded. So so these people come and they come to persecute. What do you do now? What do you do? What do you do? Well, I want to point out to you here that um, they remained. They remained. You'll see the word there in verse 14. The brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way, but Silas and Timothy remained literally means to abide under. It's often translated to persevere under a trial, to endure. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, same word. Therefore, Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, same word. Timothy and Silas endured, they remained. Remaining can look a couple of different ways, right? Paul didn't retreat. That's not what happened. It would do no good for anyone, for Paul to stay there and be killed by the thugs from Thessalonica. And so he needs to remain alive as a missionary. So they send him off and he goes to Athens. And I can't wait to study that passage next Sunday. Yet it would be no good for the Bereans if the entire group left so soon just because of persecution. And so Timothy and Silas remained, endured under, stayed in the trial. True nobility is remaining, not retreating. And so where is God calling you to remain and not retreat? To be truly noble. So as we close, Let me just review eagerness toward learning the Word of God. True nobility looks like that. Examination of every claim and belief by the Word of God. That is true nobility. Remaining, not retreating, when others oppose the Word of God. And don't you know this is in the book of Acts? It's in the New Testament. We're told that the Bereans were so noble because God wants us to be like that. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ. Berea was not the first time that nobility came from a small town, angering those from the nearby bigger city. The royal universe-making Pure, eternal and holy son of God was born. The one who was noble was born in the humblest of places in the entire universe. Do you know where earth and in the humblest of places on earth, do you know Bethlehem and under the humblest of circumstances imaginable in a manger, To a peasant, carpenter, Joseph, as earthly parents, and the Virgin Mary, not nobles. And yet nobility from this place is what God draws our attention to. And so, as we pursue eagerness, examination, and remaining, and we should, let us also remember this morning that true nobility is found in the face Jesus Christ.